Well, good day, one and all, or good evening, depending on the time of day you're listening to a couple of Dusty Muffins. I'm Penny Legate. Are you really? Yes, I am today. I'm Julie Blacklow, recovering. She just had a flu shot and she's all wonky and wigged out and loopy doopy. Well, that's how I always am. The difference is I actually had a fever. I've never had a reaction to a vaccine in my life and hardly any reaction to COVID, but this flu 2022 for older people, mm-hmm. apparently it's, uh, it's making his presence known, but I'm not too loopy uh, to keep <laughs> from talking about our subject today. Which yes, is... well, I'll be the judge of that, how loopy you are. <laughs> but this it'll be perfect for what we're talking about today, because, you know, when you go out and speak to people or whatever, they always ask, what was the craziest thing you ever happened? Who was the most interesting people you interviewed? But today we're just going to concentrate on the crazy stories from working in the TV business. We have plenty between the two of us. We'll keep you entertained. So, Julie, do you want to start? And How many years you've been in the business? Like 40 oh, years? Oh, 40. 40, yeah, 40 um, years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. have my share of crazy, crazy stories. But yep. I wanted to start with one that you uh, may remember. I know you remember because you were in the hallways of the CBS affiliate here in Seattle when this happened to me. And it was the last story I ever did in my television news career. I was sent to cover... <laughs> I know you remember I was, I was sent to cover in North Seattle, a stolen baby Jesus from a creche that was outside this woman's home. I couldn't believe, couldn't believe I was being sent to cover this. But when I got to her home, Yes, a little wooden baby Jesus had been stolen from the. Oh, it was wooden. I thought it was plastic. That's the way. Oh, I man. oh no, no, no! You're, you know, you're absolutely right. It was plastic, <laughs> baby Jesus. It was a plastic. And somehow made it better. <laughs> I made it better than it was, and all the little animals and Mother Mary was were all plastic. Yes, <laughs> and they were so sad that yeah, baby, baby Jesus got, was gone. disappeared. So I had to go up to the woman's home, knock on her door. And ask her permission to, was it all right if we did this story? And would she want to talk about it? Well, <laughs> she would have been happy to talk about it, except for the fact. So this is really she, a story this that is, a baby no, Jesus was. Still, yes, that, that's crazy enough. Scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, she would have loved to have been able to talk about what happened because it was important to her. But she just had a stroke and mm-hmm. she couldn't speak. So this is problematical when you want to do an interview with somebody that they can't talk. So I went outside, called the news director, said, we can't do this story because the woman can't speak and she's drooling off the side of her face oh. and we can't, we can't, it was very sad. Yeah. yeah. We can't do the story. They insisted that I do the story and to make matters worse, they were going to go live with it and it was <laughs> going to be the lead story. Oh, of course. So, this so, was big news. <laughs> You remember, I went in the hallway. I saw you there. Yes. Dec- a couple decades ago. Mm-hmm. I remember this. We were by, I right by you. the mail slots. Right. I and I looked so at you well. and I said, do I really have to do this? And apparently I And did. I said, no. No, but I had, had was sent out there anyway and had to do it. So we went on the air with this story. We interviewed this poor woman. And I couldn't believe our, our main anchor person, Steve Rabel, the voice of the Seattle Seahawks, was anchoring at the time. And he tried to get the story killed. Everybody in the newsroom tried to get the story killed. But the news director insisted we do it anyway. So I went back to the newsroom after this story and I resigned. <laughs> that after, was it. No, that, that was, was it. it. 
that was it for me. So <laughs> 40 years. I don't even know. That's a hell of a way to end a 40 year career. With a stolen so, baby Jesus. Stolen baby plastic baby Get Jesus. Get her in. Yeah. yeah plastic. What, what, what you got? Okay. Well, I think I just have to go back to one of the worst days of my life in TV. And it goes back to 1983 in Wichita, Kansas. And I had been in Pittsburgh for five years working, working as a writer, producer, reporter. And so I was going to kind of change what I was doing from like, you know, on the street kind of reporter news, hardcore news to a talk show. And because I had news background, this, so the, <laughs> the show was called <laughs> Kaleidoscope. <laughs> this is a great name for a Midwestern uh, live TV talk show, uh, news show, Kaleidoscope. Yeah, baby, Kaleidoscope. Woo. Uh, it's a show that had been on many, many years, and it was a, uh, hosted by two people, and the woman had left. So they were looking for somebody new to come and fill in. And while I wasn't thrilled about going from Pittsburgh to Wichita, because that's in our business, you, you're dropping down many, many <laughs> market sizes, and you want to keep going up. So I was going from like the 12th or 10th market at the time to about the 35th or something. And... <laughs> but, the opportunity actually to hone my craft in front of a camera was really something I couldn't turn down. It meant an hour long live every day. And man, that's when you learn to vamp and talk and ad lib and, you know, tap dance. Like we're doing now. Yeah, like we are. Like, exactly. That's why I'm so good at this. <laughs> we're just great. Yeah. So it's, it's Cake TV, K-A-K-E TV in Wichita, Kansas. And I, I accept the job. So we opened the show and my <laughs> co-host's name was Gene Rump. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at his name. They didn't change his name. That's crazy. Gene, Gene Rump. Rump. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Okay. Go, go on. <laughs> his name wasn't Harry Rump. <laughs> Okay. 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 I digress. Okay. Get get it together here. So anyway, so Gene had been on the air many, many years and he was kind of arrogant and, you know, sassy guy and very good at what he did, by the way. But anyway, so there we are. It's the first day. So the way the show opened is the two of us opened the show. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining us. And, you know, we've got so-and-so on today. Are we going to have, you know, jugglers or whatever we could scrounge up in, in Wichita, Kansas? So anyway, we do the little open and then I turn to a close-up camera and do like five minutes of news headlines. And this is back in the day. So for people who don't know, a teleprompter is a machine that rolls the script of your news uh, in front of the camera, right? So it's kind of done with mirrors, but you're looking into the lens and you can see the, the writing going past. I think most people are familiar with what those are now. So Back in the day, in the 80s, it wasn't done electronically like it is now on a computer. It was done with real paper. So the papers, the scripts were all taped together and rolled basically on a conveyor belt by another person that had to roll the machine. The dark ages. <laughs> yeah, totally dark ages. The big, you know, here she is. And there was like all this stuff in the newspaper about this woman coming from the big city, Pittsburgh, and all this, you know, experience she has and pictures in the paper and ooh, no, 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 build up to the big, you know, debut day on the air. We open the show and I'm looking smashed. And Gene is talking to me and saying, we're so ha happy to have you here. And this is amazing and blah, blah, blah. And okay, Penny. So um, first you're going to do the news headlines. And I said, yep. And so I turn and I start the first story and then the paper starts <laughs> crumpling up like this. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> you're Mom, doing what you can't see. Like wrinkled you... paper. <laughs> oh, God. And I, I was not experienced enough, poised enough, whatever enough to deal with this. And so I am, uh, oh, uh, I'm trying to look down. I have a hard copy of the script in my lap, thank goodness. But I've, I've got to look up and make eye contact. And every time I do, it's like the paper. <laughs> You can't read it. You can't, you can't see what Penny's doing, but she's crinkling paper. Maybe yeah, you can hear it. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Just a paper, just like going like like this. I, you oh. can hear it, right? That's what it sounded like, too. So it's cr- crumpling past, crumpling past. It's horrifying, embarrassing. I'm breaking out like broadcast news in a sweat, you know, under my armpits, down my face. I mean, it's just awful, awful. You know, my big debut at Cake TV was a disaster. And I stumbled and try, I, somehow I got through it and we went to the break. And I'll tell you, I was about ready to just get up and just get on a plane and get out. I don't yeah, you, <laughs> you were you were totally humiliated, but you continued on with your career. So I continued and, on. And, you know, it was cool. We continued on with the show as if nothing had happened. <laughs> but the next day, Jean, this Jean was quite brilliant in lots Jean of ways. Rump. Gene Rump <laughs> and Gene, Gene said, let's talk about what happened yesterday. So we started the show and we said, uh, he said, okay, you guys, I just have to tell you what happened to Penny yesterday. And he tells the story about the teleprompter script crumpling up, how difficult that was and how frustrated, frustrated I was and flustered and just, you know, way out over my shoes. I just said to the audience, I'm just so sorry. That was not the way I wanted to come <laughs> off on my first day here. And, you know, if you want to send me back home, you know, I can pack my bag quickly or whatever. But what it did, as horrifying as that was, it endeared me to that audience. And from that day on, when you can just say this was like a terrible disaster for my first day, the Wichita community accepted me, loved me, knew that I was fallible and could laugh about my mistakes. So you were human. You're human. We We all make mistakes and look stupid from time to time. Totally. So my pants were definitely down around my ankle. I have a, I have a couple of short ones. Okay. I was sent to cover an important event in Seattle. We went to the event and there was no one there. We couldn't understand why this wasn't happening until we called back to the newsroom. It happened a year earlier. <laughs> a year earlier. So that so talking, speaking like miscalculation. Of, yes, exactly. Slight miscalculation. And the other thing I want to talk about, I was once sent to an aquarium to do a live shot, another insidious live shots to cover the story of an otter that had died a week earlier. Mm -hmm. So that was a lead story. (laughs) The dead otter. I mean, it's insanity. You get all the good. You get all the good good ones. I do want to talk about the jumper. Oh, um, yes. The, the, okay. The yes. This is in your book, by the way. It's a this great book. This is my book, Fearless Diary of a Badass Reporter, which I guess I guess I was. I thought that term was overused, but apparently not when it applies <laughs> to me. But I was sent to cover a jumper on the Aurora Avenue Bridge in Seattle, which is yeah. quite famous and quite high up from Lake Union. Yeah, a lot of people have jumped off. Yes. Taking their own lives, right? Taking their own mm-hmm. lives. It's, it's sad. So I said, why are we going? Why, we don't cover those things. Right. Well, they said, well, we have to cover it because it's completely blocking traffic. And God forbid that people should be inconvenienced because someone's trying to kill themselves. 
we had to go to the bridge. The police let us through where this person was trying to kill himself. And I looked, I went over to the edge of the bridge and I looked over down at the police boats and I didn't see anybody. I'm looking around and trying to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I turned to my right. There was a man standing next to me and I said, has he jumped yet? And the man said, no, I haven't. Oh, so in that in that moment, I had to start talking to him, talk his head off, try to convince him to stay with me. And, and, and he did. And the police came and got him and took him away, hopefully to a place where he got some treatment that he clearly needed. And it was just a horrifying moment. It never oh made the news. God. It never made the news. We never, thank God, that was one no. that I didn't have to go live with, uh, with the bridge jumper. Oh, my gosh. He just walked so, right up to him. I went right <laughs> up to him. He's the only person. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. We shouldn't be. Well, why not? I mean, comedy is tragedy plus time, right? So, right. so we're not laughing the, at his situation. We're no, laughing, we're laughing at, the at the absurdity that, you know, I looked at him. But you're talking to him. the jumper and asking him. If, if Has he jumped yet? Jumped and he yet. Was, you know, said, no, I haven't. So he's still thinking about it. Yeah. Well, I've got another one on uh, live TV because live is where everything, you know, goes haywire and you can't fix it. Right. <laughs> you can't happen. fix it. So, no. Yeah. No. I was anchoring the morning news with David Curley back at the time is now at ABC is ABC correspondent, well known in, in Seattle area. Monty Webb who has always been we always called him the goob because he was such a such a goofball. Love the guy. I actually love him. Monty, we would start the morning news at 5 a.m. for God's sakes and say hi and good morning. The kind of the tease would go today coming up, blah, blah, this has happened, blah, blah, blah. But first, let's check in with Monty for a quick look at the morning forecast. Okay. And then Monty would do his thing. Well, we're going to have hot temperatures today. Just a little quick teaser of the weather. And I'll be back in about five minutes with more. Then he, you know, slides, you know, kind of steps quietly off the set and goes to his weather set getting ready. And Dave and I have to turn to the camera and start our first story, which is usually something gloom and doom. And as we turn to the camera, Monty absolutely goes ass over tea kettle off the edge of the set. He just goes oh, blunk, blunkety, blunkety, blunk, blunk. And I looked fell. over and all I saw was a pair of loafers sticking oh. straight up in the air. Oh, 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 oh. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely... <laughs> hysterical and it's cutting to us and we're talking about some woman who was murdered in port angeles Uh and i thank god it wasn't my lead that day it was dave dave was starting but i am sitting there and i am looking at the camera and i'm doing everything i can to just not burst out in this big guffaw and lose it and dave somehow hung on wow i have a falling story too you just reminded me of Yes, I was anchoring the weekend news with Elaine Perkins and Jeff Renner, a well-known figures around here. In fact, Elaine was one of the first female sportscasters in the country, but I digress. On the 11 o'clock news on a Saturday night, we always had what's known in the business as a kicker story. Yeah, one little upbeat story. And silly because it was the lead into Saturday Night Live. So we wanted to end on a light note. I'm reading a story about a sinkhole in Winter Park, Florida how it swallowed up. It didn't kill any people, but it swallowed up a bunch of very expensive cars, Porsches and Mercedes. And it just 12 cars went into this pit, which I thought was mildly amusing because I'm sure they were insured. So I come back to the set to say goodnight to our audience. And it's a three shot. So it was Mm -hmm. me in the center, Elaine on one side and the weather guy, Jeff Renner on the other. And they started sinking 
on the set going down below <laughs> the, ta- the, the table. And I'm looking around and I'm saying, what, what the hell, what's going on here? <laughs> and they didn't tell me they were doing that. So they just sank. And their, se- their and seats just went down. They just went down. They, you know, they got all their seats and they just started disappearing under the news desk. <laughs> I was mortified. Cold. So then they disappeared. So I'm <laughs> left alone and I stare into the camera <laughs> and I said, uh, I, I don't know what's happened to them, but um, apparently a sinkhole sucked them up too. But Saturday Night Live is next. So we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I was just, and I, right. by the way, the news director was not happy. Oh, we went no. upstairs, but this is before the age acceptable antics yeah. in television news, which is ruining it today. But the news director threatened to fire both of them. Oh, and, and they, he on. was sure that I had suggested it because yeah, of course, yeah, of course. The troublemaker. But, but I didn't. So that was my falling story. Oh, that, that's awesome. I love that. I know. So one of the things that people always ask is like, what's really going on when you're doing the news? And, you know, when you're live, anything can happen. And we had this wonderful floor director named Tony Garaccio. Tony was about five feet tall, little Italian guy, just full of piss and vinegar, this guy. And he was hysterical. And he would have like plays, little mini plays ready to go with the stories that we were going to be reading. (laughs) (laughs) He's the guy that didn't told you to be serious and he's doing. Yeah, he's the one that told us to be serious and he was always trying to crack us up. Ah, So one time we had a story about these toilets, these automatic toilets the city of Seattle had put in down down along the waterfront and some other places, you know, so people didn't have these creepy sandy cans and then there was access to toilets. And they were kind of these silver globe things. They had these automatic opening doors that are really slick and cost a lot of money. Anyway, so the story was about them and how the homeless people were basically camping out in them and they were going to take them all away. <laughs> so That's totally. cramped, cramped quarters. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so we're re- getting ready to read the story. And Tony brings a chair out and a newspaper and he has a roll of toilet paper on some kind of a stand. And he sits down on the on the toilet, <laughs> I mean, on the chair, <laughs> looking like he's on the toilet. He's reading the newspaper while we're trying to read the story. He's, he's got the toilet paper zooming past. That's, 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 like, that's Are you pretty... kidding me? How can you like read this story and not, uh-huh. you know... <laughs> I got another one with these guys behind the scenes. So the audio man was hysterical too. He went to a site called fart.com. Oh God. What? <laughs> he recorded what? every what? single fart sound that you can imagine. Oh, come like, on. I'm not kidding. No. no, it's like fart of the day. So oh, he, he recorded like 30 of them, right? And it's like... Oh my God. You know, you have these things in your ear, right? Where the producer can talk to you, you know, these little ear pieces. Yeah. And during the commercial breaks, he would start in with the fart in my oh, earpiece. Oh, so I see, I think farts people, are funny. So you know, well, they, crack me up. <laughs> they're funny if you're not in their presence. I mean, I don't know, but um so, I, and this right before the five, four, three, two, one, you know, bring it back on, he would just cut them off, right? He's just like I have a misbehaving uh, while you're live on the air story, too. When I was anchoring the news and just starting to anchor the news on the weekends, there was a nefarious, notorious journalist, a great journalist, Don McGaffin, and he was trying to sabotage me. And so while I'm reading into the television camera live, he holds up a sign and it says, Julie PP. 
and I'm supposed to be serious while he's holding up this sign. And it's, it's, it's insanity. And another, you know, another, well, I had to, while I'm talking about some hideous gloom and doom story. No, I couldn't laugh, but he's trying to hold up Julie (laughs) pee pee, you know, these people. And there's another McGaffin. He was a more reckless goofball than I was in the newsroom. We were doing a live show. I can't believe these weren't taped, but this was a live program dealing with the election going back a long time ago. And we were talking, chit-chatting in between during the commercial break. And he looks to me, we're talking about who might be watching this on a Sunday afternoon. Why would anybody be watching us (laughs) in the summertime? And he turns to me and he says, the audience, fuck them. Now that goes out live. That no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the so one he, word that just. That, whoa, yeah. You, yeah. You, you couldn't do it. Now, he didn't get in any trouble for it. I can't believe that. Which to me. Yeah. Which is astonishing. Really. He just got a smack on the wrist. Probably some bourbon from the news director. For I mean, he, yeah. he never was any penalty for that. So, yeah, yeah the, the audience. That's one of the big uh, George no Carlin. Knows. What the seven words. Yeah, there's you seven, seven words you can't say on the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are you done with that story? Because I got I'm done with that story. I got one more after you're done. Okay. So speaking of that word, back to Kansas. (laughs) (laughs) Wichita. Wichita, Kansas. You know, we're desperate for subject matter. So we decided to do a week of interviewing great Kansans. And actually there are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There are actually some really notable people from Kansas, like Bill Lear, who created the Lear Jet. And the Coleman family, which is all the Coleman lanterns and freezers, you know, they, um, what do you call the things that you take that are portable? <laughs> a cooler. <laughs> Coolers. <laughs> Coolers. Yeah, cooler. Yeah. Coleman cooler. Everybody's probably owned one. So anyway, uh, we interviewed him and then we had this lady and her name escapes me right now, but she was ancient. I'd say she was probably like 95. Oh, not ancient in and, my category in the seventies. Yeah, okay. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah, don't mean to insult the 95 yeah. year olds, but anyway, she was pretty old and she was like a little teeny wrinkled up lady and she um Jean was interviewing her my Jean Jean Rump I love him whatever whatever happened to Jean Rump I don't know I don't know I, I lost you to find out but so here's her background she was a theater director she worked with the likes of John Barrymore and all these people she brought theater to Wichita many many years ago and she was quite well known and quite sophisticated and so he was talking to her about her life in theater and bringing it to Wichita and he said what was the craziest thing that ever happened to you in the theatrical business and she says oh oh I could tell the story but it has a bad word in it and he goes that's okay he goes when you get to that we'll we'll bleep it well, we don't have any bleeping capabilities back in the 80s in Wichita, Kansas of bleeping. There was a seven second delay, I believe. But anyways, <laughs> she starts telling this story and it's a theater, a show, a musical where it has like these pirates that are coming off of a ship and they kind of walk down in a curve towards the front of the stage and then off again. And as they're walking by, every time this one guy goes by, he has a parrot on his shoulder. The audience just bursts out laughing hysterically. And so it's the last day of the show. She can't figure out what's so funny. And there's a seat in the front open. So she sits down there to see what's going on. And here comes the pirates parading across the stage. And she says the parrot with impeccable timing turns his head to the audience when he's at the apex of the front of the stage and goes, fuck you. (laughs) Her lips, like imagine like little lips and she's going, 
And you know what's coming, right? Because she's got the F. <laughs> you. And so the audio man, who's about 100 years old himself, could have very easily, knowing what's coming, potted, you know, that means put the audio, turn off the audio and her mic for a second. And it, you wouldn't have been heard. But no, it went out <laughs> all over Wichita, Kansas. Bible Belt. Oh. We had a group of like um, Christian school kids uh, in in the studio watching all this who were going to sing in our next segment. And all the parents of these kids and all the other people who watched and heard this word go out <laughs> over the air, <laughs> lit up the phone lines. Oh, yeah. And the um, program director who I was not fond of, came in, storming in, and he's like, you guys need to apologize. This is terrible, what happened? And Jean, you you, you know, you set her up and all this stuff. And she was gone by then. She'd been escorted off the set. But anyway, so we had to come back on, and I could not talk. I just, like, looked down and, like, looking like I'm kind of praying, like I've got... Yeah, <laughs> trying to make up for what... I, looked up, I, would have, I would have immediately lost my job just hysterically laughing. But anyway... Funny. A final story before we go on forever. I know. But I, I call this this is the phone booth story where mm. I am five months pregnant, which was a problem for the managers at the NBC affiliate. They didn't know about letting a pregnant woman be on TV, but I was. So I was going up to cover a hearing up north of Seattle, about 60 miles north of Seattle, about a nuclear power plant that they wanted to put up north. It never it never happened, mm -hmm. by the way. But on the way back. After covering the hearing, we pull off the road because we're running late and we need to let the new we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have we had two way radios, but right. they didn't go 60 miles to Seattle. Right, right. So we pull off the road to a phone booth when an old standing phone booth. I know it's like an, an antique now. You don't even see them anymore. Right. Those don't, don't exist, exist anymore. anymore. But I open the door. I put in probably a quarter to call the news department to tell them we're going to be late with our story if we even mm -hmm. make air at all. And so just as I put the quarter in and the, someone picks up and says, King TV news, the phone booth falls over with, with me, <laughs> oh, no. with, with me in it. And so, oh, yeah, no. yeah. I, and it comes to rest at about a 60 degree angle on something, but it stopped falling. <laughs> I thought it was in an earthquake. So I turn around and I see a general telephone company truck has yanked the cord whatever the thing that attached it to the whatever that made the phone booth work, a telephone line and yanked it off its foundation. So it comes, oh, it came oh, to rest. No. It came to rest on a big wheel on the truck. And I, I, I turn around and I see still, in still inside. And, and the, and the guy on the phone, the King TV person, the news, news uh, editor is screaming, Julie, Julie, what happened? What happened? And I can't talk to him because I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to die. So I turn around and I see two guys coming out of a telephone company truck, running over to the phone booth and trying to get me out. Oh, my God. And I I've, I I'm cursing at them, of course. So, you know, get the F away from me. Leave me alone. They said, we're, tr we're trying to get you out. They can't open the door. Finally, the photographer I was with came over, got the door open, pulled me out and had to pull me away from these guys because I wanted to, you know, kill them. And they're thinking they <laughs> look them. over and they see that they've pulled a news reporter who's pregnant. So anyway, <laughs> we end up we get back in the car after he pulls me off of these poor guys. 
And so we end up back in Seattle and we never made the air, of course, with the story because we had a slight delay in the phone booth. The next morning, a very stately gentleman with white hair comes into the newsroom, walks over to my desk and hands me a quarter. And it's the president of the general telephone company saying, I believe we owe you a refund for an incomplete call yesterday. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish the photographer had shot it. How could you not? (laughs) I know he didn't get the camera out to shoot this thing. He was trying to rescue me or rescue the guys from my attack. So, you know, from you, we don't talk about, Oh my God. The old sportscaster pulling a gun in the newsroom. And there's lots of stories we can do. Oh my God. We got lots more. Why don't you just do part two of this? Yes. You know, at least we're having fun. We don't know if our listeners are snoozing by now, but we're we're having a great time. We're laughing, which we always do. Yeah. So that was fun. I I love it. Well, it's good to see you um, coherent after your flu shot reaction. And uh, yeah, well, as much as I can, but still kooky and loopy. Yes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We had fun. Hope you did, too. We're a couple of Dusty Muffins. And hey, before we go, a couple of Dusty Muffins is all glued together by our production director, Clem Daniels. 